Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today, and thanks so much for carving some time out of your busy day to spend with me. Do you know, over the, over the many shows that I've done about franchising, uh, on All Things Franchising, I have said time and time again that franchising is no longer just burgers and fries. And I know you've heard me say this because I can't say it enough. Many of the brands that I bring to you on this show, it, it represents unique industries, unique um, uh, services and products that you wouldn't normally connect with the franchise business model. Well, today is no different. And if you're looking for that unique franchise opportunity that also has the heart and soul built into it, then you're going to want to get a pencil and paper for today. So today we're talking about the Sober House communities. I read an article recently that went like this. Post-rehab residents in a sober living community can be can be part of an effective recovery plan. The lack of a stable, drug-free, supportive environment after rehab can be a trigger for relapse. Sober living communities provide a safeguard against relapse and can offer a recovering substance abuser the personal space needed to build a new life based on abstinence. So, like I said, this is a very different, uh, not just a different type of franchise, but I would have to say it takes a very special person to really look at this. So my guest today is Hunter Foote. Hunter is the founder of Vanderberg House. Uh, He founded it in 2016. He is a seasoned impact entrepreneur with with experience in private equity and mission-focused business development. Hunter earned a graduate degree from Harvard and holds a teaching fellow position um, there as well. Uh, Vanderberg helps build recovery communities. That's just what I was talking about earlier that came out of that article. Vanderberg helps build recovery communities and change lives through sober houses, which offer powerful opportunity transform uh, to transition to independent living. So please help me in welcoming Hunter Foote to the show. Hey, Hunter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Linda. I'm, I'm happy to be here and excited to talk about the work we do. Well, I am excited as well, Hunter. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this is such a unique opportunity and a completely different uh, type of franchise. And before we get into that, 
Hunter, tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to find this this great um, franchise that delivers a a really a really critical um, service to people out there. Absolutely, um, my background is um, it's not in social services or psychology uh, or, or really anything that most would find fitting um, in, in the world of uh, substance abuse recovery and and housing for you know that population. Um, my background is actually in, in real estate development and management. Um, through my undergrad uh, career um, at UMass Amherst, I really I, I sought to find an avenue where I could combine my love for business and uh, finance and economics um, with, uh, with something that really impacted the world in a meaningful and positive way. And I started in property management, which certainly wasn't doing it. Um, we, we evicted tenants. Uh, we collected rent, we tried to keep costs down, and all of that is necessary for business, but it didn't fundamentally solve any social problems, and that's really what I wanted to do. Um, until I was sitting at the um, Thanksgiving, I believe it was, uh, meal table with my sister-in-law, uh, and, and she was a, a former a director of a recovery program, and, and she was going off about this, this poor young lady who went through a program for, I believe, the third time and relapsed and was back into the program. And there was no end in sight for this, this revolving door of, of folks that have the tools but not necessarily the opportunity to, to live in a supportive environment. Um, and, and she asked me what we could do from a real estate and housing perspective to fix it. And through a lot of research in the 2015 to 2016 uh, era, um, we, we hatched this idea to, to take a concept which had been around for quite some time, which is sober living homes, uh, group housing for folks in recovery, um, and really find the best way to do it, to impact uh, communities positively, uh, to do it in a respectful way for the neighborhoods, and to do it in a, um, a helpful and uh, supportive and safe way for the residents that we serve. And that's, that's how Vandenberg House was formed. Wow. So, as I said earlier, I think it, it, it takes a special person to really look at Vanderburg House. Um, before we actually look at that, what that franchise opportunity looks like, because I want the folks to know this is a franchise. Don't get me wrong. This is a franchise. And, you know, mm-hmm. Hunter, I interview a lot of franchisors that they have an element or they have um, – they have something built in that is a um, a return to the community. So maybe they do have choose a nonprofit once a year, and a certain portion of revenue goes to that. But that is completely what your business is. Um, let me first ask you, Hunter, why did you decide to make this a franchise versus just a nonprofit? Um, that is a, a great question, and I, I absolutely have an answer to that. Um, the way the way I've seen franchising traditionally work, as, as you mentioned earlier with the burgers and fries, um, franchising allows uh, an independent owner-operator to get into a business with a lot more than they'd have if they go into it on their own. So, yes, they're selling burgers and fries, but they're doing it with, with a big a big well-known corporate name and branding behind them. And that's powerful. Um, we've, we've seen franchising as an opportunity to take that a step further. 
and be able to reach the right owner operators with maybe a background in clinical social work, maybe someone who's in recovery themselves and, and who's some, maybe a, an entrepreneur or uh, you know, a late stage um, uh, professional, and not only give them a brand, but also give them the ability to start a business without needing an MBA, without needing to learn how to run a business. And we've seen franchising as a tool to open business ownership up to an audience that might never have considered it. And then furthermore, um, from, from a standpoint of, you know, why not just make a nonprofit or a for-profit or what have you and just grow ourselves, there's something really powerful when you have an independent owner-operator uh, managing and running and leading an organization in their community. It can, it can reach far more people, and it can do far better than if we were and that's what we started doing. We're based out of Worcester, Massachusetts. We opened a home in Springfield, just an hour west. Uh, we actually opened two homes, and we hired somebody. And we said, here's the job description. Here's how to do it. Here's how to run the house. And it went well, but it, it, there's so much more that can be done if the keys to the kingdom, as it were, in the Springfield community is handed off to somebody in Springfield that wants to impact their community, that wants to build a business, that wants to build long-term wealth, uh, and that wants to be a part of something. And to reach the founders, uh, the, you know, somebody with a founder's mentality, it, it's really only possible in the franchising um, environment uh, in speaking in terms of business structure. So really we're, we're reaching folks that might not have considered business ownership as something that could be in their future. And we're supporting them through the franchise model, um, but we're also empowering them to reach their communities in the way that they see fit. And we just were so excited to be doing this, uh, and I'm yeah, I, I'm sure I could talk about this for hours, but I, we just we just love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely hear the passion in your voice, and that's what it takes. So let's talk a little bit about the services that Vandenberg House would offer to someone who is looking to restart their life after going through recovery. Absolutely. Um, a, a quick a quick overview, um, Vanderburg House uh, operates structured uh, group living homes for folks in recovery from substance abuse. Uh, most of our residents have completed a residential uh, drug or alcohol uh, treatment program. Um, they'd otherwise be able to live on their own, but they, they'd maybe look for something with a little bit more support and encouragement. Uh, oftentimes our residents come from environments where maybe the, the best housing option they have is still not good enough. Um, and, and, you know, the, the cheapest housing options that are available for folks uh, are probably not the most supportive of continued abstinence from drugs and alcohol. So our, our clients come really from all walks of life, uh, young and old, male, female. Um, really, it affects everybody. Um, and and they'll, they'll come upon uh, our, our website or they'll come upon, um, you know, some, some articles about us and say, hey, this looks interesting. They'll apply online. They'll read about what the environment looks like at the particular home that they'll be moving into. And when they move into the home, they're greeted with uh, typically a house manager and a number of other residents, usually in a gender-specific home, a men's house or a women's house. And they'll join uh, a, a community of, of folks that are relatively independent. Most, most people uh, in our homes, they work or they go to school full-time or they're retired, they volunteer, and they'll they'll be welcomed into a community of folks that are where they are 
and want to do what they want to do, which is to build a new life uh, without drugs and without alcohol and with the camaraderie and, and social support and network of folks that have done it before them and, and will you know, be friends for life. And structurally, it works um, as though it might have been a rooming house. I, I don't like the terminology rooming house, but it's, it's private pay. It's typically very um, reasonable in, in terms of rate. Um, usually, our, our rates range from 140 a week to 240 a week, uh, and, and that it works out to a bit less than what a studio apartment would, would cost in that community. So it's, it's reasonable in terms of cost, but it also provides that sort of social support um, and encouragement of continued sobriety. Um, what we don't do is, is a good question that a lot of folks ask. We don't offer treatment. We don't offer uh, counseling. We don't offer, um, we don't manage medication. We don't do any of that stuff. Um, and plenty of folks, you know, need counseling and they can go get counseling, but just not through us. This is strictly housing and it's strictly supportive housing uh, to cater to those who um, just want to be in an environment that is conducive to their continued recovery. Mm-hmm. And so how does the household work, Hunter? Does, is, is there someone there that prepares meals? Is there, uh, you mentioned a house manager type of role? Does that person live on the premise? Uh, what does all of that look like? Sure. Um, typically there is a house manager, and that house manager uh, will live in the home. Uh, they'll be in recovery themselves. And it's, it's usually not a, a paid position. It's usually a, a, a trusted senior resident type of a role. Um, the house manager just keeps track of everything. Um, they'll be the conduit between the residents and the operator of the home, the, the owner-operator. Um, and the house manager will just keep the home environment uh, running smoothly and help work through conflicts if they occur, lead a house meeting. Um, and, and as far as food goes, everyone is independent. Um, typically, our homes have, have fairly well-appointed kitchens. They're usually large single-family homes that uh, you know, have been converted. Uh, it's not a difficult conversion, but it converted to one of our group living environments. Um, and everyone's responsible for their own food. Uh, residents are assigned chores in the home, uh, whether it's cleaning the bathroom, raking the front lawn, um, shoveling snow, if you're uh, blessed to be in New England, as we are. Uh, and everyone just pitches in, if you will. Um, there's no paid staff that go into the home. There's no paid staff that live in the home. It's typically a uh, Instead of the average house, maybe 18 residents, one house manager who lives there, and the house manager uh, reports to the operator who owns and operates uh, the business uh, itself. And so you said that there would be approximately 18 residents in the home? Yeah, yeah we've ranged from 10 or 12 on the low end to 24 to 26 on the high end, typically in a four uh, or two to 4,000 square foot. Uh, single-family home, sometimes larger, um, mm-hmm. double bedrooms. So you'll you'll often share a bedroom with somebody else, maybe two other people if it's a large room. Mm-hmm. And is I know that you said that you don't really. Um, there's no counseling. Um, what about um, career counseling? It, do you provide any of that, helping them to get jobs? And um, how much further does it go, other than? providing them a safe place to live? Um, we don't directly offer that. Um, 
but we indirectly offer that in a way that uh-huh. is a bit unique and that's um, the, the community itself uh, can be very helpful. If, if Bob moves into a house and, and there's Jim and Joe that got jobs, uh, you know, up the road at, at the machine shop or at, you know, a landscape company, there's often ample room for networking among the house members. But we also mm-hmm. have forged great partnerships with, um, you know, our operators have in, in their communities uh, with local um, job placement agencies. Uh, Massachusetts offers uh, a range of um, uh, regional uh, workforce development and training centers that are all free. Um, and many, uh-huh. many states do. Uh, so we, we have great relationships with everything from career training um, to nonprofits that offer everything. Uh, I mean, everything from, from you know, nutritional counseling, um, how, how to find a, a primary care physician, how to book a doctor's appointment, you know, if you haven't been to a primary care appointment for a while, um, how to get on health insurance itself. Um, there are a lot of organizations out there, and, and we basically quarterback the operation if somebody needs somebody. Uh, we give a recommendation, but we don't offer anything directly per se. And, and that's largely because the, the core of this is housing and the core of this is supportive housing and would love to help, but we just, our operators don't have the staff to do it. And if they did, it would cost more than what a lot of folks could afford out of pocket. So that's how mm-hmm. we, that's how we juggle that really. Mm-hmm. And I think that that serves a huge um, void because for each of your franchisees to be in touch with or to uh, know those um, com- the community out there so that they can refer any of the residents, um, that's, a, that's more valuable sometimes than somebody coming to the house and, and offering some type of counseling. It's those referral connections that uh, are so valuable, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And there are so many people out there that do well doing what they do. Um, we want to do well offering supportive right. housing, and I think we do that. And uh, we'll, we'll try not to step on the toes of, of the experts in, in their respective fields as well. Absolutely. So let's talk now, Hunter, a little bit more about what that franchise opportunity looks like. So it, I come to you and I say, you know, I was a banker, Hunter. I, I don't know anything about that. Who are you looking for that would be a great franchisee for you? Um, that's a great question. Um, we would love to work with anyone who, first of all, wants to do something uh, different, unique, and independent. So uh, the, the desire to be independent you know, financially and, and whatnot is, is really the key. So if somebody's looking for a franchise already, they check that box. If somebody isn't necessarily looking for a franchise, but is enticed by the idea and would be willing to take on business ownership as a career pathway, absolutely. And really beyond that, uh, a desire to make a difference is important, but also uh, the acumen to be able to run an organization. And I know we talk about the impact a lot, and that's that's a, a big part of why we do what we do, and it's important to me. But on the other side, it is a business. It is a for-profit business. We are, and our operators, um, almost all of our operators are. Um, the houses make money. They collect income in terms of revenue from the residents. They pay expenses. And beyond the interest to make a difference, the operators have to understand that, that this is a business. And it, it comes with 
the phenomenal opportunities that are afforded business owners, and also it comes with the risks and the challenges and, and everything else. If you don't do what you're supposed to do and your occupancy rates fall and you don't monitor your utilities, and you can get under, under your head uh, pretty quickly. But overall, it, it's, it's rewarding, um, and we just have to make sure our operators just understand this is a business. It does help people, and the head and the heart have to be in the same place, if, if that's a good mm-hmm. analogy. Right, right, exactly. So we've decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your next franchisee. What type of training do you, will you provide me, Hunter, since I am new to this? Absolutely. Um, we provide uh, really a, a soup to nuts, as it were, um, in, in terms of uh, what we offer to our franchisees. Um, so to start, uh, we offer what, what a lot of folks do, which is, uh, you know, software systems, um, training on the systems, how to set up, uh, you know, inter-office communication and, and, you know, website portals and all that. So the, the nuts and bolts. Um, we have a big focus in, in actual, the, actually the business fundamentals. So having a, you know, if you're, you're a banker, that's great. You have that background. A lot of our folks don't have a, a, a business ownership or entrepreneurship background. So a lot of our training is on how to read financial statements, uh, how to set up a business bank account, how to engage uh, as a legal entity in, you know, in hiring vendors and whatnot. Um, and then in terms of what we actually do, um, a lot of that training uh, we have hosted um, through a, a learning management system online uh, for those that like stuff in writing and looking at videos. Um, and then we'll also invite uh, new new operators to our headquarters in Worcester. Um, they can stay with us for a few days, uh, and we'll take them through a few model homes that we run as an organization. We'll show them what it's like to uh, pop by a house, collect rent, meet with a house manager, We'll show them what it's like to interact in the community, to raise awareness of, of empty beds and build a referral pipeline for, for new leads coming in for residents. And we'll, um, we'll walk them through all of the practical steps um, in, in terms of how to, um, how to run their operation. And then finally, uh, typically when an operator opens their home or is about to open their home, uh, we'll take a visit out to them as well and just look at everything and provide some advice on how we can save money on furniture, uh, how we can, um, you know, better streamline operations. Hey, why don't you move this bed over here instead of over there? Um, and then take some pictures, and, uh, and their house is up on our website. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the, the real estate. Do mm-hmm. you encourage them to uh, look at specific areas to and, – and I presume they're going to be purchasing – this real estate is that correct? Um, not typically, and and real estate's a big uh, it's a big passion of mine. Um, usually, the folks that want to open these homes don't necessarily um, they aren't necessarily equipped to buy, renovate, and furnish a large home. Uh, so, a lot of what we do actually is we work with um, an affiliated uh, real estate investment fund, and we'll actually buy the home that we collectively decide upon. Uh, we'll buy it, we'll renovate it and we'll provide it to them on a leased basis. So typically operators come in with um, substantially less money than would be required to buy a home and simply engage in a long-term lease of the home with us. Nice, nice. That really sets mm-hmm. them up, up front without having that um, really high overhead before they even mm-hmm. open their doors. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. So once they've identified the home and that transaction has taken place, you know, the next question, Hunter, is how do I find people that want to participate in this sober house? Do you find, do you, do you have referral partners out there that can refer some of their clients to you? How does that work? Um, we absolutely do. Um, we have a, a pretty robust database uh, that we keep of recovery centers, residential programs, detoxes, um, even some, some jail pre-release programs, uh, prison systems. Uh, we have great data on that. We have a contact database that is very uh, helpful in terms of making phone calls. Uh, so a new operator would, would introduce themselves to, um, to organizations in their area, uh, let them know that you know, we're opening a location in, in Louisville, Kentucky, for example, and uh, what, what, you know, what they can do to earn the referral business from the recovery center. Um, and and mm-hmm. usually they, the, uh, the referral providers, um, they're, they're easy to work with. Um, book an appointment, go in and see them, uh, communicate on the phone, maybe do a Zoom meeting, um, and we'll support them. Uh, we'll support our operators in terms of um, printed marketing materials, business cards, rack cards, trifold brochures, all that stuff. Um, and, and in terms of what the operator will do is, is they'll go out and, and sales calls, if you will, um, you know, pay visits to these organizations. Um, but to support that, uh, we have a great website presence uh, on VanderbergHouse.com. Each home that, that uh, becomes one of our uh, franchised or chartered is the language we use on the site. You know, they earn a charter to be a Vanderburg House home. We'll list them on the site, which is um, you know, a great resource for, for search traffic. But we also have built um, what at this point in time is the only uh, sober house directory in the United States, which is um, www.soberhousedirectory.com. And that's getting updated every day with new listings and whatnot. And they'd have a prominent listing on the directory site itself. So we have mm-hmm. a, a great digital platform, uh, but also we support them in, in directly reaching out to their local referral partners with marketing and, and some, other, some other helpful tools and, and tips and resources. So, Hunter, once I've received and and made these relationships and I start, um, they identify someone who might be a good fit, is there an application that the residents um, have to submit? And how do you select the resident that would be a good fit for the house? Sure. Um, residents uh, apply online. They'll go to VanderbergHouse.com and fill out a, an application. It takes about five minutes. That gets routed to the appropriate operator, and then that operator will conduct a phone screen. And on that phone screen, uh, the resident will answer basic questions about you know who you are and where you're from and and why why they want to do this. And really, the screening process uh, it, it's not to verify income. It's not to it's not to really do anything other than see how serious and committed the resident is. And if the resident can convince the operator that, you know, this is what they want, this is what they need in their life right now, um, that, that's really the biggest approval criteria. Beyond that, mm-hmm. you know, 18, 18 years old or older, uh, it is um, in, in recovery for greater than 14 days, um, which is, you know, most people apply or, know that so it, it's just to determine the level of interest and if they seem mm-hmm. sufficiently interested and passionate and they they want this uh 
they're invited to join the community. Mm-hmm. About how long, what is the typical stay um, at the Vanderberg home, house? Um, typically, residents will stay uh, between six months and a year. Okay. Uh, if they want to stay longer than a year, they're free to do so. Oftentimes, they'll, they'll get on the house manager track, if you will. Uh, a conversation will be had, and it will be, um, hey, you're ready to take on some responsibility. Uh, why don't you become an, uh, an assistant house manager or house manager or something um, on, on the longer end. And on the shorter end, uh, plenty of folks have come in, and, and they realize it's been a month. I'm ready to have my apartment. I'm ready to move back uh-huh. with my, my wife or, or husband or whatever it is. And it's up to them. There's no minimum stay. There's no maximum stay. Uh, they're, they're in the home for as long as they need it and as long as they're a positive force in the home without creating, uh, without creating trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Hunter, I just see that the timing of this is so critical because of the, uh, we hear about the opioid epidemic out there. And I just see that the timing of the the Vandenberg house is perfect timing. Do do you see that the changes that we we hear about that the government's going to step in and provide additional assistance with the opioid um, crisis? Do you see that this would help a franchisee that is just getting started? I, I think to a point, yes. Um, I'll respond also. Uh, th- these homes and, and the residents' payments are, are often not subsidized by the government. It, it's not like um, you'd have to get into the, the health insurance um, uh, payment uh, system or anything like that. A, a lot of it is private pay. There are a lot of um, you know, independent subsidies that residents can, can obtain, but we're so thrilled to see the, the um, political and, and public embrace mm-hmm. of recovery and what that means and what it means to children's fathers and mothers and to parents, sons and daughters. Um, and and it, it's great to see the public support of that. And I think in the biggest way um, that, that that would impact, uh, you know, what we do is, um, is in terms of, of our neighborhoods embracing the idea of sober housing. And one of our big challenges is neighbors don't understand it at first and, and a home is opened and what they think is about to take place is a lot different than what actually does. And right. when, um, when we see the public get behind this and understand that somebody in recovery is, is as much a person as somebody who is not, it's, um, it, it's just great. It's great. And the, the stories we've heard of, of you know, our residents, uh, we've had lawyers, we've had uh, clinical social workers in our homes. We've had everybody. I mean, rich kids and poor kids and, and older folks. I mean, it's everybody. And to see the progress is just, it's breathtaking. It's absolutely yeah. breathtaking. Yeah, it doesn't discriminate, does it? Mm-hmm. Not at all. No. Yeah, yeah. Hunter, I need to take a quick commercial break. And, but I tell you what, I am one that loves stories, and I know my listeners do as well. Do you happen to have a couple of stories you could share with us when we come back? Absolutely. Wonderful. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more from Hunter Foote. Do you know a family fighting cancer? The Jest Foundation nonprofit was founded right here in Katy, Texas, by cancer survivor Michelle Perzan 
whose vision is to assist those currently fighting by providing grants to help support family needs, whether spiritually, emotionally, or financially. Michelle and her family know all too well that there comes a time when the day-to-day needs we take for granted become impossible. Just Foundation has been able to bless 100% of the applications submitted, and now they need your help. Find out more by going to JustFoundation.org. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here. We're here with Hunter Foote, founder of Vanderberg House, which is a sober house. Um, Before we get into your stories, Hunter, uh, if someone's listening and they are really drawn to the this particular model and would love to find out more, where would they go? How would they find out more information about Vandenberg House? Sure. Um, we have uh, a lot of information on the web. Um, COVID makes it uh, difficult to do in-person discovery days these days, but um, we're, we're happy to do um, we're happy to do them uh, schedule permitting. But heading to um, VanderbergHouse.com, which is www.vanderberghouse.com, uh, that's your best bet. Um, and, and if you want to learn specifically about the, the franchise opportunity, there's a link on that site, or you can go direct to uh, vanderbur uh, sorry uh, vanderberghouse communities.com and that will uh, give all the information you'll need about the franchise opportunity. Wonderful. So you said that you had some stories that you could share with us, Hunter. Absolutely. Um, it, it was tough to, uh, it was tough to pick, uh, but I have two of them. Um, I'll, I'll start off with uh, one on the resident side. Um, we had a, a young woman apply um, to, to move into one of our homes. She uh, applied from Maine and she wanted to move into the house in, in Worcester. Um, which isn't atypical, but usually we say, hey, why are you moving from Maine? Why, why aren't you staying in Maine with you know, family and friends and your network? And, and she explained she just needs to get out of that familiar environment. So we, uh, we approved her. She moved into our um, women's home on Jermaine Street in Worcester. You can take a look at it on the site. Uh, and she, um, she did really well. Uh, she did really well as a resident. Um, she had just gotten out of treatment. Uh, she had stayed with us for probably about seven or eight months uh, before our, our house manager currently stepped down in the home. And we, um, we asked some of the residents if they'd be interested. And this woman said absolutely she would. Um, we talked with her a little bit. Um, and, and long story short, she, um, she, she joined us as a, a house manager at that point and led the home for 
gosh, about a year, maybe even more than a year from that point um, forward. And the quality of work that she did um, as, as a house manager learning the ropes, and then ultimately um, she, she's gotten a, a very good position um, in a, um, a, a treatment program, basically, um, serving those in recovery in a clinical setting as an administrator in that program. Um, she she's since moved on, uh, very disappointing, but great for her. She's moved on uh, to her own independent um, apartment, and she helps run uh, one of the local programs here. And, I mean, that story is one out of so many of, of strong, uh, courageous women, of men that, that move in as, as a resident like anybody else, and then they just blossom, and they, they, find their, uh, they find their passion in life, they find their calling, they pursue it, and we just love watching it. You know, we're, we're a small, very small part of making that happen, but it's just so cool to see it. You know, um, you say that you're a very small part in making that happen, but that was a really big thing for her. So mm-hmm. it may be overall, it may be a small part of it, but to the lives that you impact, that's huge, Hunter. That is huge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's so it's so great to be um, be of service to the the residents that we serve, um, and also to our operators. Um, and, and you said we uh, had time for a second story. I'd love to yes. share uh, a, a story of one of our first um, one of our first uh, independent operators that um, joined us a little while ago, and she um. She came to us. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure how she how she happened upon us, um, but she came to us uh, with a background in um, program management at at a local um, center uh, in the western part of the state. Um, she had done a real great job running a few of these locations um, for this, uh, this nonprofit organization, and she said that she wanted to do more. She was getting fed up with some of the red tape, with the bureaucracy. Uh, with some of the requirements that were, were laid upon administrators that took them away from directly helping those that, that they were serving and just made it more of a, a, a paperwork job. And she, she wanted to get back um, back into a position where she could directly impact those um, that she wanted to, um, to serve. And she came on with us uh, with one home, a smaller home in Western Massachusetts, and a few a uh, few months into her first home, she said, "I am so done uh, with her uh, employment." She left her job completely, and um, she's on her third with us. Uh, and and that's a story that we've seen happen over and over again. Is is you know somebody opens up one home, which is not a full time job. Um, a lot of folks will run one or two homes while while being employed full time, but but very quickly they see that this is just so much fun. It's so rewarding. It's so engaging, and uh, it's profitable. And mm-hmm. they'll, by and large, leave full-time employment to pursue this as, as their um, as their career and their profession. And, and she was just one example of that. We've we've just loved to give her the opportunity of, of running her own business, of building her own future, of building a life for herself, for her family. But not only doing that, doing that while at the same time providing a, a necessary and life-saving resource to individuals in her community, in the city that she grew up in, the city that she uh, has lived in. Uh, it, I, the words can't describe how, how thrilled we are to be a part of that um, and happy to, to move forward with, um, with new people and new communities. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think, Hunter, there comes a time, and uh, maybe this pandemic has uh, caused us to even investigate ourselves and explore ourselves even more and look for that thing that's going to give us more purpose in life. I remember when I left a 30-year career in banking and my, uh, my the executive vice president of the bank at that time says, well, what are you going to do? Because I told him I wasn't going back into banking. And I said, I don't know, but I know it has to be more purposeful. And I think that's mm-hmm. what happens is, you know, there comes a time when we've checked off a lot of the boxes, but there's still some that are not checked off. And some of that is uh, feeling at the end of the day that you've made a difference. And clearly that is the opportunity that Vandenberg House offers their, uh, their, their um, franchisees is an opportunity to make a difference. Mm-hmm. That is that is absolutely true. And um, and to be able to not only make a difference, but, you know, a lot of folks say, you know, how can I make a difference but make money at it? How can I, right. know, I, I can join the nonprofit sector and I'll make half the money that I do now. And and while that may be true in some sense, it doesn't have to be true. And, and we're mm-hmm. trying to show that, uh, free market capitalism, that starting a business, that being an entrepreneur can do so well for, for one's own you know, uh, finances, for their future. It, it, it's business ownership. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's something that, that's uh, as American as, uh, as anything is. Um, but at the same time, business, business isn't a dirty word to us. And, and being right. a for-profit is something we're proud of. And it's something right. that we... Uh, it, it's us. It's us. And having purpose and making a profit are so hand in hand. And, and I don't think people understand that or, or want to admit it or it, it's something that we embrace. And, and if, if someone can take anything away from this, uh, this, this talk show that we're doing, it's that you can do well and do good for the world. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hunter, unfortunately, we're down to the end of the show. I really could go on a lot longer, but uh, we're down to those final three questions here. So the first one is, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? Hmm. Let's see. I Asking a lot of questions is is so cliche, but it's so important at the same time. Uh, making a decision to to um, to open a franchise business is it's a really big decision, and uh, it, it's so important to just be on the same page. Uh, what are the expectations? How much are you going to work? What does the work look like that you'll be doing? Um, sales pitches uh, make everything sound like uh, the best opportunity in the world, but when it really comes down to it. Um, what will you be doing? Uh, how will that make you feel? Can you see yourself uh, doing this even when the going gets tough? Do you love the work? Those would be the questions that I would ask. Um, you know, the, the lawyers and the accountants will they'll figure out if, if you know all the paperwork is in order. But what do you want to do? That's yeah. that's where I would start. Yeah, it definitely takes some soul searching, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So the second question here is. Um, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Hmm. 
I would say determination and openness. Um, without determination, uh, the, the first gust of wind will blow you over. Um, you have to be committed to what you're doing. You have to love what you're doing, uh, or at least love most of what you're doing most of the time. Uh, so, so the dedication and commitment are, are really the core. Um, but then openness is, is another a big part of it. Um, everyone loves to think that they know what's best. And, you know, oh, I came up with this idea. I know it's the best idea. Uh, that, that doesn't work. And when you, when you buy into a, a franchise, um, you're buying into uh, a, a lot of ideas from other people. And you have to just be willing to go with that, um, even if you don't understand, you know, how it works um, and how it will you know, ultimately be, be the right way to go. Um, typically it is. And, and being open to, open to that and to some unorthodox things that, you know, do work, um, but you might not know why they work that way. Um, being open is important. So, so dedication um, and openness, I'd say, are the two biggest traits. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And I always say that going into business for yourself, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a franchisee, it is certainly not for the faint at heart because, like you said, dedication and work, is, it comes with it. It comes with mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. So the final question here, Hunter, is what does the future of franchising look like? Oh, that... That is a tough question. I, I would say, um, just like the future of politics, uh, very uncertain, um, except that w- with franchising, um, I believe that there's, there's nothing but growth in the future. Um, what that growth looks like, I couldn't tell you. But what I, what I can say is that the idea of working with an established brand with established best practices to build something that is uh, you know, your own if you're the operator. Um, it's so powerful. Uh, it is so, it's so helpful. It, it reduces risk. I think that for those reasons, many, many more industries uh, will be exploring franchising as a tool for growth and as a tool for, you know, in, in the field that I've been in, um, I- expanding a mission um, nationally uh, with, with something that solves a local problem Franchising is the way to to rally this this grassroots support. It's to attract folks with a founder's mentality uh, to serve a community that that they know how to serve because they've lived in that community for so long. And I really believe that franchising will be embraced as a a very legitimate um, uh, business structure that can help solve some of the world's biggest problems that that maybe we haven't explored uh, the business sector as the solution to it. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited uh, for where the world's uh, going to go. I don't know what it might look like, but I, I think brighter skies and uh, I think brighter skies are ahead of us. I, I would have to agree with you, Hunter. And I think that you are certainly setting the standard for some of those organizations out there that want to make a bigger impact and have not even considered using the franchise business model to do that because the franchise business model folks just understand that it is a method to distribute a product or a service. That's all it mm-hmm. is. So, and, mm-hmm. and there, you can deliver it so much uh, on a much broader scale if it is through the franchise business model. So kudos to you, Hunter, for um, taking advantage of that that business model to help more people 
help more people. Thank you. Thank you. Hunter, one more time. If somebody is interested in finding out more information about Vandenberg House, where do they go? Absolutely. Um, our website is the best place to go. Uh, that would be www.vanderburghouse.com, vanderberghouse.com. Um, they can also uh, get some information specifically on the franchise system at vanderbergcommunities.com, same spelling, V-A-N-D-E-R-B-U-R-G-H, communities.com. Uh, and you can uh, fill out the contact us form there, um, and we'll, uh, we'll absolutely be in touch uh, to, to discuss what we do, to discuss what you do, and, and see if we could work together. Wonderful. Hunter, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really look forward to staying in touch with you. Of course, Linda. Thank you very much for the invitation. Absolutely. So, folks, just as I said, I've said this since I've been doing all things franchising, is the franchise business model is a, it, it is a method of distributing a product or a service. And to be able to leverage it to create a social impact and to address social is, issues is brilliant. Hunter was brilliant in, in leveraging this. So, as always, I'm leaving you with a quote. It goes like this, plant flowers in others' gardens and you, your life will become a bouquet. It's an unknown author, but I tell you what, that's exactly what, what Hunter is doing. He, I am sure that he will have a full bouquet waiting for him. Thanks so much, folks, for joining me on All Things Franchising. We'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.